Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a great show planned for you. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be talking about COVID myths. There's a lot of them out there. And this is around the vaccine because, you know, we're aware that COVID's real, most of us. Uh, but we got to talk about some of the vaccine myths because that information is always changing. So we're going to talk about some of the current information around that. Also how to deal with isolation around COVID. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline AG page in the stories. And uh, DMs, they're always open. So if you got a question for the good doctor, slide your question on in there. It's always anonymous, confidential, and whatever you're struggling with. It might be helpful for other people to kind of hear how uh, to work through and deal with that. But I want to start the show off because people have been sliding into my DMs talking about them kind of struggling with their mental health in the current context. Now, again, last year, all we had to really talk about, well, not only, I say that as though it was a very small limited thing and it wasn't, we were talking about the impact of the protest around Black Lives Matters and also the pandemic. And now we're topping, uh, tacking on top of that, what's going on with Trump and that is an ever moving target, so much going on. And people are feeling exhausted and overwhelmed mental health wise. So I wanted to open the show by talking about what do we do about that, right? Because, uh, you know, I share some of this information People sound, you know, feel very close to it. It's accessible and then we drift. So it's important to really reinforce some of this stuff. Write it down. That's what I do. I have a notepad in my phone. I'm writing down things that I want to really remember and have close and easy access to. So the first one is about your coping mechanisms. Look, we need them. And that's something I'm saying all the time. It's great to have coping mechanisms. The goal isn't to just sit there and be able to tolerate everything. That's not possible. But we don't want to over rely upon the same ones because that's when it can become problematic. So the first tip is you want to make sure you're always kind of switching up your coping mechanisms. You don't want to walk yourself into an issue with your relationship with drugs, alcohol, food, or exercise. I am working with some people clinically that are over-exercising. Please don't think that everything is good to whatever extent you utilize it. There is an extent where something like drugs, alcohol, or even exercise goes from a coping mechanism or something that's fun and joyful and pleasure-based and self-care you know, centered to becoming destructive or misused or abused or even a full-blown addiction. So it's not always, if it's good for me, then more is better. That's not true. That's not even true with vitamins, right? Fat-soluble vitamins can over-accumulate and can become problematic and become toxic, right? So we don't even want to overuse vitamins or supplements. We have to be very thoughtful. So again, you want to keep switching them up. You want to make sure you're not over-rely upon, over-relying upon the same ones. Because when the world opens back up, which as hard as it is to believe that will happen at some point, we don't want to be that dependent or no longer have a positive 
healthy relationship to some of these things. We want to be able to keep them in our lives. And the way we can do that in the long run is by not misusing them. So ask yourself, am I possibly overusing whatever my routine is or my coping mechanisms? Are they rooted in self-care? And again, the best way to ask yourself that is how do I feel before, during, and after? right? As I'm getting ready to work out, how do I feel? How do I feel while working out? And how do I feel afterwards? If I feel tired, depleted, or cranky, then you're over training and burnout. Same thing with drugs and alcohol. How do I feel before, during, after? Do I feel depleted? Am I creating more issues in my life? Is it leading to problems? Am I getting violent? Do I not like the things I'm saying and thinking? So we got to check in on those things. Um, and it's also important at a time like this, when a lot of people are feeling hopeless and they're feeling helpless that we do lean on, lean into acknowledge or bring in things that do make us feel empowered and in control. We want to make sure we find parts of our day where we feel in control during times where we feel out of control. That might mean planning. That might mean structure. This is stuff you have to do on a personal level. Take this thought to your therapist. Again, right now is a great time to be in therapy. I'm able, as most of us are that are licensed therapists, to offer coaching to anyone outside of our state where we're licensed. So please reach out, find people, get some help. Um, People are doing some amazing work, even though it's telemedicine. I'm doing deeper, more powerful work than I sometimes did even face-to-face in my office. So please, please do not discredit it. I did in the beginning. I was like, I have no interest in doing therapy on the phone or via Skype. Now it's become really powerful. And I've said this, the other one to exhaustion as well, set the bar low. We are not trying to be optimal or optimized or efficient or hundred percent or at our best. We're doing 60% max. We are resting. We're healing. We're focusing on joy and pleasure. We do not need to be overworking, burning ourselves out. You don't need to get that, you know, new body for 2021. You never need that, but we don't need to be pushing ourselves with whatever the topic or domain is. And also knowing that distractions and some denial can be healthy. It's okay to distract away from what's going on in the world. We need to. We cannot be living nonstop in these triggering emotional and psychological states. Go into some healthy denial. Escape. Do some distraction. You know, even some worlds like AA have led us to believe culturally that that's not okay. Oh, well, you're checking out. Yes, please. Thank you. Yes, that is exactly what you're supposed to do during a movie for two hours or while you're playing a board game with your family or while you're having sex or masturbating. Those are healthy forms of self-care and coping. You're supposed to check out and be in a state of dissociation and denial. That is the purpose. That is how it helps heal you. We're removing our consciousness out of all these triggering, upsetting, anxiety-inducing things and into a different state. That's real, that's honest, that's mental health. So please don't shame that. It's a healthy defense mechanism for a reason. It's okay to have that, right? And finally, find somewhere where you can process your feelings. You need a source for processing your feelings. If you don't have access to healthy people, start to create and build those kind of relationships with individuals. If you don't have that possible at all, start journaling, get into therapy, but we need a safe, healthy outlet for our thoughts and feelings where it won't be shamed. They're not trying to fix or solve it. They're just listening. All right, y'all, coming up next, vaccine myths. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about COVID vaccine myths. Yes, we got to talk about it. Look, all sorts of opinions on vaccines. Um, Never dull when this conversation comes up. Now, listen, I am a very thoughtful, critical analysis, critical thinker kind of person. I like to look at all the data. I like to look at people's experiences and I don't just blindly accept what I'm told. However, some might be shocked to hear, maybe they're not, that I'm pro-vaccination. I think it's really important. For me, it falls under both science, but also ethics, um, psychology, emotionality. And what I mean by that is 
talk about this probably to point of nauseum that it is an important part of mental health and physical health to consider the environment that we're a part of, right? We can't leave out um, the environment. We can't leave out more meso or macro level impacts. Our health is not an individual thing, right? That's the main point. Our health is not just how are we doing? Our health is also the context with which we live, the context with which we relate and socialize. So our health is impacted by the environment around us. Our health is impacted by, you know, the access or lack thereof of fresh uh, foods, right? Produce. Our health is impacted by what we call environmental toxins or environmental racism, living maybe in a neighborhood, only being able to afford maybe living in a neighborhood where there's unsafe conditions within the water or toxic chemicals that are dumped in the lakes or the rivers nearby. That is part of your physical health. We can't ever look at someone's health as though it exists in a vacuum. And it doesn't matter the neighborhood they live in or the city, the air quality, the smog, all of those things matter right? So physical health and mental health deeply tie into each other. We talk about all that all the time. But again, so does the environment we live in, our relationships. Our physical health is negatively impacted by toxic relationships. Why? Well, living within many toxic relationships will cause a lot of inflammation. It will cause mental health struggles. It will also impact whether or not we take care of ourselves. It will impact resources. There's, there's so much tied into here. And that's where vaccines come in. I do want people to think about what am I possibly going to be transmitting or setting up in terms of um, those around us, right? What are they maybe going to come in contact with? What am I maybe going to transmit to them? We have to be thinking in these collective ways. It's not an individual issue. And that's what I think has been frustrating for people seeing all these large parties around COVID. It's not a discussion of, well, make the individual decision for yourself about the level of risk you're willing to take. COVID is transmitted from person to person. And so it's also got to be, well, what kind of risk do those around me want to take? Because I'm forcing them into the decision-making, my decision-making. And that's part of vaccines. You send your family member, child, loved one, or yourself somewhere, and you're not vaccinated, you might possibly then get infected and transmit something to someone. So you're removing other people's agency. If you're not wearing a mask or getting tested and you're bringing yourself around others, you've removed consent and agency from those that you're coming in contact with. They don't have any information to decide whether or not they want to be around you. So consent, physical health, mental health, all these things are far larger than just individual decision making. And I want people to really, really, really hear that piece. You know, we talk about consent and it's often only around sex. You know, consent means it's informed consent. So let's actually use that qualifying term. Informed consent is what the word should be, not just consent. And informed consent means you can't fully consent to something if you're not aware of the full scenario situation or what maybe you're going to come in contact with. And that's why we talk about STDs and STIs. If someone is positive for an STD or STI and you don't disclose that to your partner, well, then they haven't consented fully to the sex they're having with you because they're not aware of all the information. So they can't say whether or not they're comfortable still being sexual with you and coming into contact with and having that risk of transmission. COVID is the same way. You walk around without a mask out and out in the world, uh, maybe not getting tested, not getting vaccinated, you might be infecting all those around you and they haven't been able to consent to whether or not they wanna set themselves up to that risk. And so the choices we make right now and always impact others. And that's where vaccination comes in. It's about taking care of ourselves, our family members, loved ones, and also those around us. And that's why it's really important because it prevents the spread of really dangerous things, you know? 
And it has historically, when we look at the history of what no longer is with us or what is no longer something that we are worried about because people have been vaccinated, because we've cut things off at the root and it's not transmitted anymore. It's really important stuff. And, and I think mental health doesn't talk enough about the larger macro level impacts of things. We really do think that mental health is this individualized thing in, within us, just our brain, but we're open systems. We are open systems. Everything we do is impacted by others and vice versa, right? Our mental health is indicated by those we're around. And that's why even in drug and alcohol work, one of the flaws in that model is people go away to treatment and then they leave treatment and go back into the same problematic environment that either created, allowed, or sustained, or even caused the addiction itself. We have to pay attention to that. It matters, that environment. And vaccinations are part of taking responsibility and accountability for that. And um, look, <clears throat> we're saving lives and we will continue to. And I'm, we're looking at the high numbers. It's so disheartening, you know? And a lot of those people weren't aware what they were coming in contact with. They might've followed all the rules trying to protect themselves and others, but then they were around someone who was not. They weren't aware of that. They weren't given that information. They thought it was safe. Bam, transmission. Because um, I'm hearing people say things like, oh, I'm in a pod, but yet they're seen out being with others. I even had a friend who was telling me that they're in a sexual pod with three other people and they're only having sex with themselves. But then I watched him talk about having sex with someone outside of that. And so it's very much um, the honesty policy, but it fails us at times <laughs> because there's a lot of gray areas. Uh, so when we come back, we're gonna talk about some of the myths of vaccines because I think it's really important for us to look at the facts and the data and really, really, really get important, you know, really get good information. Uh, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveland AG page that is in the story, so check that out, weigh in on that. Uh, we'll be breaking that on down later in the show, and then as always, sliding into those DMs, but if you wanna check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going over to wearechannelq.com, and uh, while you're over there, eh, you can check out some of the other shows. <laughs> They're all on there as well. All right, y'all, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we are talking about vaccination, COVID vaccine myths. And I was kind of saying that it's really important that we have a better understanding of this because vaccines aren't necessarily just about us protecting ourselves, but it's also about us protecting everyone else around us. And we do need to care about that. We don't want that uh, good old American toxic individualism where we only care about ourselves or our relationship or our family or our home or our neighborhood or our state or our country. We do really want to care about those around us. And the, you know that's what's been so fascinating about um, COVID it really shows us how small the world is that something was able to be spread literally everywhere on the planet. I think I, I think it was Alaska. There's a very small town in Alaska and I was looking at how well they had done buffering and barricading themselves away from transmission. And uh, bam, ba -da -bam, lo and behold, someone turns up positive. Such a small world, you know, as large as it is, as large as it is, excuse me, it's still very interconnected. And that's the whole point of a vaccine is we're trying to look out for ourselves and others. So um, we're looking at some myths. This comes out of UC Davis Health, right? Um, and the National Institutes of Health and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And they're the ones that are really spearheading the COVID vaccines and putting out information. And uh, UC Davis put together some of the myths and uh, the facts. So the first one is, 
this whole idea that the vaccine will give you COVID possibly itself, right? And the truth is that the vaccines will not give you COVID. There's absolutely no way, this is a quote from the study, that you can get COVID-19 from the vaccine. It is not possible. Quote as well, none of the vaccines being developed use the live virus. And I think that's really important to know. It's not the live virus that's being used, right? So there's nothing in the vaccine that could actually cause COVID-19. Uh, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, which are the two ones right now that are you know, going to be circulated or actually are circulated, and they both use mRNA, which is um, messenger ribonucleic acid. And in simple terms, it just carries the instructions that tell your body how to build the proteins to prevent this from happening. So basically, it's just a carrier of instructions. That's like the shorthand version of that. So know that it's safe in terms of no possibility of coming up positive. Um, another fact is that you cannot test positive because of the vaccines, right? There's no part of the virus in either vaccine. So you can't test positive on the uh, PCR, right? Or an antigen test. And those are both the methods that they use for vaccination. Uh, I'm sorry, for infection testing. And uh, you will test positive for antibodies because your body will have built them up as part of your immune response. And that's, that's a good thing because that's the actual goal of a vaccine. So again, you won't become positive. There's no live virus in there and you will not test positive because of that. So a positive test is going to be because you yourself had become infected with COVID. Um, now this is not in here, but I also wanna remind you that there's also not a microchip in the vaccine because that's also some of the rhetoric that I'm hearing passed around. For the anti-vaxxers is uh, we're getting microchipped. Uh, also not the case. <laughs> Uh, another fact that the vaccines are safe and went through full reviews by experts. So that's also part of it. Some people are worried about the rush. They hear the word rush. That doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't precautions in place. And I'm not saying by any means that the FDA and everyone else's process is completely foolproof. We, you know, these vaccines are not 100% effective. They're anywhere from, I think, 97 to 98%, maybe down to 96 um, and we've seen things get regular, uh, seen things be released that had some issues historically. So frontline workers are the ones that are currently getting it. And uh, hey, the rest of us, we're going to be a little bit behind so we can kind of watch to see what the side effects have been. But in tracking that with loved ones and friends and, and other colleagues that have gotten it thus far, I have yet to see within my scope, within my realm, within my world, anyone who's had a negative outcome as a result of having taken it. Some of them haven't even really felt the arm soreness and it was really the arm soreness and a little bit of the chills and a slight fever that have really thrown some people off when they hear about it. But those in my life that have gotten it have not had that issue. I myself have not gotten it yet. I'm definitely gonna be getting it as soon as it's made available to me because I wanna look out for myself and those I come in contact with. Also because I want my life back. <laughs> I want to return to the world. I want to go to the gym and my favorite coffee shops and my office. Um, so that's why I'm doing it. But uh, they are safe and they did go through full reviews. They've been well studied. Uh, one of them, 43,000 people were in, uh, enrolled in the randomized Pfizer clinical trial. Okay, that's a large sample size. And the uh, FDA and other experts have reviewed the data from the vaccine trials, looking very closely at it. Um, also, another fact, the vaccines were developed quickly because of the worldwide effort. Vaccines, this, is, this I did not know, they often can take, ready for this, seven to 10 years. Seven to 10 years. This bad boy, <laughs> we banged out in a couple months. All hands on deck. You know, we knew the importance of it and we really, we really <laughs> fell in line and we handled it. Um, also another fact, there's no government, there's no government mandate to get a vaccine. Okay. So they're urging everyone to get it. The more people that get it, the faster and the better we want to return to normal and returning to normal and having things open will only be done as a result of the numbers dropping. If we don't get vaccinated, that is not possible. 
the numbers continue to spike. So taking it drops the numbers, thereby allowing us to get back to our lives. But right now, we're not anticipating any mandate. That could change later, but right now there isn't. And so it's just about everyone being a responsible person and being willing to do that for themselves and those around us. But it's not necessarily going to be forced on you. Also, another fact, the vaccines will not change your DNA. They do not cause infertility. Um, and the immunity from the vaccine is actually far safer than natural immunity because that also came up for some people. Why can't we do herd immunity on our own out there? And they're saying, nope, the immunity from the vaccine is going to be far safer. And uh, I love that it closed out on my uh, microchip comment. There's no microchip in there. Don't worry. Um, worry about a lot of other things, <laughs> like the fact that I can have a conversation about a topic and the next thing I know, Facebook is showing me ads for that topic. <laughs> worry about that. Also cover the uh, camera on your laptop. So we do want to take certain precautions, but vaccines so far, we're not seeing anything we have to worry about. All right, y'all, coming up next, uh, some DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friend, the Trojan Cons. Why? Because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. This one says, Dear Dr. Chris, my name is Justin. I've been dating this guy, Rye, for about six months now. We met online during the pandemic. See, telling you, love can be found during the pandemic. Don't think you cannot date while we're in a pandemic. You can. Again, it won't be the traditional form, but you can still FaceTime. You can go for a walk, masked, distanced. You can go for an outdoor picnic, short-term, masked, sitting across from each other. I'm telling you, it sounds wonky. It isn't. <laughs> ask, just ask Justin, although I haven't read the rest of the question, so maybe it'll be a warning. Uh, so Justin and Rye, you've been dating for six months. You met online before the pandemic. You hung out safely, good, and we're super compatible. Awesome, because remember, compatibility, we're looking at uh, psychological, right, physical, and social. There's far more, also ethical is important. Uh, psychological and emotional is along the lines of like, how healthy is this person, right? What is it like to spend time around them? Uh, physical is the attraction and the affection and the sex. Do we want the same kind in the same ways, the same amount? Do we like the same amount of closeness? Social is, you know, what kind of things do we do with our downtime? Are you outdoorsy or indoorsy? Do you drink? What does your socialization look like? And then finally, ethics. You know, that's one that's become really important. I, I didn't talk so much about that in the past, but I'm adding that as the fourth level. Um, it really does matter if you're someone who's all about God you know, um, more of the progressive anti-racism, anti-homophobia, and it's someone who's, you know, an anti-masker Trump supporter, it's going to be a non-starter. Uh, so anyway, you say y'all are compatible. That's awesome. I haven't met his parents yet, you say, but he says that they're strict, which is fine. But when I asked him more about them, he basically said they don't care that he's gay, but since he's Jewish, he needs to date someone that is Jewish and I am not. Ah, it is interesting. It tends to be more of the Jewish culture that, that has individuals definitely seeking others, which is why apps like JDate exist so people can find that. Uh, let's see where it goes, though. <laughs> I don't really know how to feel about it because I've never really had a strong religious background. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's right to discriminate, period. He asked me if I'd be willing to convert, and I told him I'd think about it, but I just feel like it might be a line for me. How do you think I should respond, and is this a normal problem? It doesn't matter if it's a normal problem. It is. This is what you're up against. You're only six months in, um, and I think you might be underestimating what converting 
looks like and what it means. It's a time commitment and it requires a lot. It's a big ask. It is not a small ask. And so you want to look into what it takes to convert. And you also want to look at what the expectation might be after converting. Does he want you to keep kosher? Does he want you to go to Shabbat? I mean, there's so many questions to ask. It's, it's a, it's an entire lifestyle. And it might be something that you're just not open or interested in. Look, here's the way I tend to go. I think you need to reverse it. You are not Jewish and it sounds like you're not looking to be. And so it's okay to say I'm not. And if you want to spend time with me, it's by spending time with me. And that's how you have to date. You can't date someone based on the potential of who you think they could be or who you could inspire them to be because that's not promised and that's actually not mentally healthy. You have to date someone based as they are in front of you. Um, so I'd be more saying this to Rye, uh, you know, What's his name? Justin. Yeah. Uh, Justin's not Jewish. And if you're not open to dating someone that's not Jewish, you should not be dating Justin. And you should probably put that on your app, uh, looking for Jewish guys. Because I do think it's unfair to ask non-Jewish people to convert. It's a big ask. It's a lot of time. And it's actually asking them to adopt a culture that isn't theirs. It's a big ask. So Justin, I don't know, man. You got to look into what that inquire, what that requires. But I know me personally, if you're trying to date me, you're you're dating me. And this is who I am. And if someone's looking to date me but wants to change me, I'm not down for that. I'm not. I'm open to people asking for transformation and shift. But if someone said, I need you to adopt a culture and a religion, it's just I'd say that's not who I am. And so unfortunately, Rye, if you're listening, if you want to date someone who's Jewish, you should be looking for Jewish people, not non-Jewish people that are you can maybe pressure to convert. And that doesn't even necessarily mean his family would still be open because converting is very different from someone who actually is Jewish. So I don't know. I don't think that's a great idea. <laughs> I think it's okay to not be Jewish. And I think Rye needs to, it sounds like it's about his family. And this is where he gets to individuate away from his family. It's okay to let our family down. It's okay to disappoint our family. I actually think it's quite toxic for us to live our lives in service of keeping someone else comfortable because dating someone not Jewish is okay. It's not mentally unhealthy. It's not socially wrong. And if your family's not comfortable with it, let them deal with it silently. And that's what Ryan needs to say to his family. I need to date based on what makes sense to me. And if you're not comfortable with who I'm dating, please keep that to yourselves. You don't need to be. I'm not dating for you. You don't need to like who I'm dating. You don't need to accept who I'm dating. But you need to be kind and you need to be respectful of who I'm dating. That's the work, right? All right, y'all. Oh, gosh. Okay. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how to deal with isolation. And then question of the night, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories as always. Oh, God. All right, y'all. How you feeling? You bored? You lonely? You isolated? I am. <laughs> I got a lot to do. I'm working a lot. Hope you are as well. If not, great blessing, although I know it carries a lot of anxiety for some of us. Um, but nonetheless, there's that like low level uh, dis-ease, you know, because there's a lot going on. 2021 has not started us off simply. There's a lot going on. And even though the world is closed, we still have a lot of things accessible to us. So uh, let's kind of talk about some of the things we can do for feeling bored or isolated that still keep us in the safety of following the guidelines and regulations to help prevent the uh, transmission of COVID-19. Uh, first one, and we talked about this all the time about just general self-care practices, open your blinds and windows, okay? I have FaceTimed a friend of mine, and often as he's walking around on his FaceTime, I'm like, yo, dude, open your blinds and your windows. Get like, Stop living in a cage. 
a cave, I mean, well, a cage too, um, but a cave, uh, light, fresh air is good for us physically, but more importantly, our mental health. It reminds us that there's a world out there, right? It airs our space out. So do that. Go through the ritual every morning of waking up, open your window and your, and your blinds, the curtains for a little while, get some sunlight in. It has profound impacts and for walking around in dark spaces all the time, which is along the lines of what's more preferred and comfortable by me. I still remind myself to do that. I want to hear the city. I want to see the city. I want to smell some fresh air, open the blinds, let some light in. So make that, you know, our environment again, as we keep talking about, is very important for our mental health and our sense of safety, you know, and that's part of it. Create the environments that make you feel good and smile. And that's going to be a little bit of sunlight and some fresh air. Um, Also, as always, sticking to just the general basic self-care stuff as much as we can. We've talked about it a lot. You guys have that down pat. We're not going to dig deep into that. Uh, We talk a lot also about creating some kind of schedule so we don't have that time drift. You know, we're reviewing all this because um, we've been been in this for a minute. And what happens is when things normalize and get familiar, like quarantining and the pandemic – we start to just kind of let go of everything. So I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a refresher, but we want to get back to creating some sort of a schedule. It brings normality, consistency. We feel like we're participating in something, right? It's not just like every hour is the same as the hour before. Maybe that's getting up at the same time, going to bed at the same time, changing our clothing. If we're going to be working at home, moving things from different rooms so that one room is for this, the other room's for that. It reduces some of that claustrophobia, you know? So think about those things. Um, Also reminding ourselves that we're dropping the bar. Right. I was talking about this a lot early on in COVID. Like we're in a pandemic still. We have a lot of political unrest. You shouldn't be expecting yourself to be on point, perfect and doing 100 percent. We're dropping the bar for ourselves and also for those around us. Things are not ideal. We cannot expect ourselves to be living like things are ideal. Right. The world is different right now. Accommodate that. (laughs) We have to we have to allow ourselves to live realistically based on what's happening around us. You know, I know for myself, all the things that are usually the resources and things that kind of are my self-care are out there and I don't have access to them. You know, I, I would love to waking up every morning with the sunrise, having my coffee at this patio at my favorite coffee shop. It's just down the street. I'd read for a while. That's gone. That is gone. That is closed. The coffee shop is, is existent, but I can't sit outside anymore. Right. That was a huge thing for me. So I was going to the gym, you know, battling all the toxic gym culture stuff. Yeah. But I liked going and throwing around some weights, zoning out was meditative for me. But, I, but I'm shifting. I'm shifting the expectations on myself. Things are just not going to be that way right now. And that's okay. Um, also letting myself kind of evolve into these new hobbies and still finding some joy and pleasure in the time that I have around me. Not, not letting everything be completely doom and gloom. Not toxic positivity, but I am letting myself create moments of joy. And I'm inspired watching some people go through this new phase of what do I want this time to be about for me, you know? And um, it's been inspiring. So you know, again, build in some new hobbies. Um, you're, you're allowed to find joy and pleasure right now. Uh, learning some new skills, whatever it might be for you. I've also been talking to a lot of people about the whole presence of a pet. And uh, it's been really beneficial to many. I'm not a dog person. I find them a little, a little too, it's a, yeah, there's a lot in there and and I want something a little simpler. And that's why I became a cat person. Shocker. Cause I was never into that, but I have, and I've had some clients that have gotten pets and it's been profound for them beyond what they expected. Um, energy, moving around the room, someone, someone to spend time with, something to cuddle with, someone looking out for you, someone excited to see you, something to do. It brings joy. It brings movement. But for me, again, it's just having life in the room around me. That's why I got all my plants. I have my cat. It, it, it's been really profound, more so than I could have expected. So I'm so happy that I had her already. But for those that don't, there are a lot of animals that need rescuing and that need homes. So call, go online, go to your, you know, your local, um, 
foster pet foster place. I can't think of the terms for some reason shelter. <laughs> it's kind of losing my mind in that way right now, but do that. Um, also feeling good in what you're wearing and how you look. I know that many of us aren't maybe seen by others. Some of us are still working and others are seeing us, but even if not, it's still okay to take a shower, put on deodorant, fix your hair, put on clothes that you feel good or comfortable in. Like I let that go for a long time. I'm still living in sweatpants, but I did start like on my days off combing my hair. Like that was really big for me. You know, it really, really, really was. I felt better about myself. Um, it was meaningful. I was kind of surprised by that, but it was really important to me. I also started doing things like making my bed. You know, I wanted my space to really make me feel solid and good and anchored. Um, also making sure every day that I'm going outside, it's very easy for me to wake up, see clients all day via uh, Skype and Zoom and cook dinner and then settle in. And I was like, oh my God, like I need to get outside. I need to see other humans moving around. My mask is on, I'm socially distanced, but I want to see human beings and remind myself that like the world is still going. Um, okay, we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna kind of talk more about how to take care of ourselves because it's still in a pandemic. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about ways to just continue to gosh, get through what's going on. And I'm telling you, every time I say to myself internally, what else can go on? I don't want to say romp. What else can happen? 2021 kind of throws it at you. <laughs> Man. So we still got to be looking out for ourselves. We're, we're still, we still got that long haul ahead of us. I remember when the pandemic first happened, I thought it was going to be for a couple weeks, couple months. Here we are still in it. But so many things we can do to take care of ourselves. And as always, we're looking out for others, those around us. So socialization, are you socializing? Not face-to-face, -face, not indoors, but are you texting, sending emails, FaceTiming, meeting them outside across the street from them, looking out for others, sending a message to someone you haven't heard from. Hey, I hope you're doing well. Reach out if you need to, or let's hop on the phone. We, we got to be there for each other. No one can live or exist fully in isolation. We do need others. We don't need to stand alone on our own two feet. You know, we don't have to rough it out. Lean on others. Let people be there for you, but be there for others as well. And again, as always saying like, how's your mental health? Getting that conversation going, letting them know that you're a safe resource to talk to about those things and in that vulnerable way. Um, I'm doing tons of that, you know? I mean, I do that for a career, but I also do that for my loved ones. Like, hey, how are you? How's your mental health been? How are you holding up through all this? You know, or I'll even start the conversation by saying like, hey, what kind of self-care have you been up to? Let me tell you what I've been doing. You know, I'm like, oh man, I'm really glad you brought that up. I really haven't been doing any, just been working hard and burning myself out, feeling depleted. And I'm like, ah, well, get outside, get some fresh air. So socialization is huge for all of us. Um, sometimes that's part of what, what's been really hard for a lot of individuals that are used to a lot of hyper-socialization is it's so limited. I'm someone who likes it limited, but I still need that accessible to me. So check in on that one, you know? And also just taking time away from the whole COVID conversation in the news. I'm kind of burnt out where I feel like every time I put the news on, we're, you know, we, I want to know what's going on, but there's a point where I'm like, oh man, give me a break. And that's where I, I kind of take, take time away. And I, I don't engage in those conversations with people that want to step into the newest, you know, facts, figures or whatever's come out. I'm like, eh, I'm taking a little bit of a pause from that. You know, I don't want to really necessarily talk about that. So set those boundaries. It's okay to do that. Um, also like, just doing more mental health based 
work within ourselves. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about the home workouts and maybe eating differently and starting to cook, things like that. But, you know, also it's okay to start journaling. It's okay to start reading some of those books that are more, you know, self-reflective and explorative. It's okay to say now's the time to get in therapy. I started a practice where every day I pick something that I want to work on. And this isn't in a way to shame myself. It's not a part of that toxic and self-improvement culture where I always have to be working on myself. You don't. But right now it's meaningful for me to be reflective. And so every day I kind of pick an attribute or a trait that I want to strengthen and reinforce or maybe even weaken. And for the day, that's what I'm kind of focused on. And I write them on little notes and I stick them in my house so that I keep bumping into it and being reminded of what it is. Sometimes I do a repeat. You know, right now one of the biggest ones is this whole concept of okay. Where I'm trying to practice just saying okay to things, not being so resistant, not being so impacted. Um, if something's unjust, I call it out, you know? But a lot of times it's just that I'm frustrated or disappointed and I let a rough moment become a rough hour or an entirely rough day. And instead now I'm just kind of going with like, okay. It's a very spiritual thing too, you know? Um, I find out, you know, this isn't an accurate example, but you got a parking ticket, okay, you know? Um, something happened that you weren't expecting. Okay. You know, you just kind of okay things saying, I don't need to make everything's big emotional experience. It's not always honest, not catastrophizing everything, not denying the truth of what's happening. I'm all about truth and authenticity and, and whatnot. So you're feeling your feelings, but sometimes it's a little catastrophized, a little dramatic. It's not right sized. You know, you got to right size things. Like, is it really an eight or should I be cranking that bad boy down to like a three? And that's part of it. Like, okay, you know, not what I wanted to hear, but okay. Just kind of rolling with some of those punches. It's about making it easier on yourself. Really? You know, that's what that's about. You're doing, you're doing it for your own mental health. Also for those around you, but part of you're just kind of doing it for you, you know? Also, believe it or not, now is a good time that you can get into some social justice work or some volunteering work. A lot of different organizations that can use people's help and manpower and energy and resources. So could, that could be a route you could go as well right now, you know, to try to make this time a little more meaningful. Some people have a lot more time and energy, others not so much, and that's cool. Be where you are. But for those that are in the opposite position where they're, you know, underemployed or not employed or don't need to be employed, get involved in that way. There's a lot of people bringing together resources and giving them to those that are economically challenged or marginalized and giving out resources. We're doing the whole community care thing, right? Mutual aid where we're providing for free the objects and things that people need as a human, a human rights thing, giving them, you know, socks, blankets, um, hygiene products, sanitizer, masks, food, um, all sorts of things. Animal shelters need people to still come walk the pets and care for them. So there's all sorts of different things you can do. Um, so Google around, you know, not everything has to be about finding a side hustle where you're going to make money. Not everyone's looking to get into an art practice. Not everyone's looking to start exercising more, you know, although those things are very meaningful and important, you might want to just be more on the volunteer social justice tip. And you're like, oh, I want to get involved in something great. Do that. You know, maybe even just reorient your social media so that it's now part of creating change, you know, do that self-examining work. Like what is my social media creating in the world? Is it harming anyone? What kind of values is it reinforcing and strengthening? You know, how do I feel about that? So you could do that, reorient all of that. You know, I think that that's something really beautiful and powerful looking at the imprint we're leaving. What's our legacy going to be? You know, what are people thinking or feeling when they encounter what we're promoting and posting? I know for me, I want everyone to, you know, encounter my social media and learn something or be challenged or transformed or normalize. Um, I know what my mission statement is. What's your mission statement? What would someone think about your values, ethics, or who you are, what's important to you if they looked at your social media, right? 
And are you okay with what you come up with as an answer? Do you stand behind that? If so, cool, do you. If not, change it. It's a new year. You can start off all of 2021 kind of occupying a different kind of space in the world. So think about those things. It matters. Nothing's neutral, you know? It's either harming or it's helping, you know? Be, be on the positive angle. We need more people. We need more healers and transformers, you know? Less people trying to make money. Although money's important. We're in a capitalist culture. Don't get me wrong. All right, y'all, coming up next, question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories, and then we'll be closing out with some DMs. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back looking at an article here. Barack Obama admits he called people the F word as an insecure teenager. Uh, F word as in the gay pejorative, the gay slang. Um, Good for him. You know, he, he feels some shame for that. He's calling it out. I don't think people owe it to anyone in the current to call out past behavior own, own where you're at now. I, I wouldn't apologize for something I said 10 years ago. I'm a different person. I've grown and changed and we need to hold people accountable to who they are now. I'm not a fan of people digging through old tweets, comments, posts from years ago and being like, ah, look at what they said. Yeah, that was me then. And part of mental health is letting people be open systems that grow and change. And so props for him for acknowledging that and saying, yeah, I was an insecure teenager. Homophobia, it was very normalized. It still is in some places. We have to battle it, we have to stop it, we have to call it out. But the work in doing that isn't going backwards and trying to call out people that are better now. It's about looking at where it's functioning and existing now, the systems, the institutions, and culture. But like, stop these weird deep diving and being like, oh, 15 years ago, so-and-so said this, and? What? And I want people to stop apologizing for who they were decades ago. If you've done the work and you're better and you've changed and you're a different person, you don't own that apology to people. So props to Barack. Awesome. Well done. Be better than that. Call out homophobia in all forms. But um, we don't need to go back to who we were decades ago, acknowledging and owning that. And that comes up even with people I work with clinically that are in sobriety. I let them know you don't have to carry forward with you all the things you did while you were in your addiction. You're allowed to now move forward as the sober person you are now. I've grown and changed and I continue to. And I'm not going to hold myself accountable to who I was many, many ego identities before, right? So anyway, thought that was an interesting point. And now it is time to go to our question of the night. Question of the night, as always, is in our Loveline IG page. That's in the stories. This one is, um, what are the relationship values that you and your current partner or future boo need to be on the same page with? Yep. More and more of a topic. Again, we're now thinking about political and ethical compatibility, and I think it's important. I know I myself could never, never, never be in a relationship with someone who doesn't have good ethics or similar politics because politics and ethics are the same thing. You can't support a candidate or a process or an institution that's creating, you know, really damaging, damaging norms and values and act like that's not going to come up in the relationship somehow. So again, question tonight, what are the values that you and your current partner future boo need to be on the same page with? First person said trust. I love that because if you don't trust them, they don't trust you. You don't have a relationship literally at its core, any relationship between friends, between loved ones, between parent and child, it's about trust friends. And if you don't have that, you got to work on that. And that's what I always keep calling out. If you don't trust your partner, you have to say, is it me that needs to learn how to trust because they're worthy of it? And if so, do that work. Stop making them responsible for your insecurity and jealousies. If instead though, you're dating someone who isn't worthy of trust, you need to get out. (laughs) 
you know, but stop sticking in it and just battling it out. Get out, grow up, do better, raise that bar on ourselves and for other people. That's what it's about for the new year. So again, what are the relationship values that you and your current partner or future partner need to be on the same page with? Someone else said, we try as hard as we can to keep having faith in each other and being overly communicative about it. I love that. Keep communicating about it. You can let people know what you're struggling with. That doesn't mean they're responsible for it, but that's a really good way to stay in the work. I love that. We have to work on that, both ends. Uh, somebody else said, definitely good work ethic. We keep each other in check. Okay, I'm down with that one. Um, they inspire you, you inspire them, right? I'm in a relationship with someone who has very similar values. Um, and my, 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 my entry point is I'm always trying to inspire them to uh, work less and to focus on fun and joy and pleasure more because they're a little too focused on productivity as being where their worth is, which is how most of us are. And my work is to say, no, you're, you're allowed to rest. You need more fun in your life. Let's work less. Um, also, question of the night, someone said, as far as values that they need, always go back to being friends first. If we genuinely, if we genuinely love, respect, and want the best for each other, nothing can go wrong. I know, and you think that that would be bare minimum, but not everyone is in a relationship with someone who wants the best for them. Some people want to just keep themselves comfortable and safe, and so they limit their partner. When instead, they need to be supporting them, saying, look, you're going to go off and do things with friends, loved ones, travel, work that might make me uncomfortable or insecure, and that's okay because I support what's in your best interest, and I want you to be happy. Because again, entering relationships isn't about us being limited. It should, make our life, it should not make our lives harder or worse. It should make our lives better. We have support. We have someone in our corner, right? We should be going off and doing more. We should feel better, more robust in our lives. Again, question of the night is, uh, what are some relationship values that you and your current partner or future partner need to be on the same page? with someone else said loyalty bam right because again that's part of trust if you don't got that what do you have in a relationship you need to know your partner's got your back and always thinking about your best interest and finally someone else said responsibility and accountability i love that i like the whole use of the word accountability right we need to know that our partner will look out for us look out for themselves and you know, share with us when that hasn't happened so we can feel like we're part of. That's how trust is built. People bring you into their process, the positives, the negatives, the struggles, the successes. They kind of always let you know where they are and that's how we feel trust. All right, thanks as always to those that participated. Question of the night is back up on our Loveline IG page in the stories coming up next. We're gonna be doing some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Already ready? We're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore the confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alyssa, and I've been dating this guy, Matt, for about three years. It's a good chunk of time, Alyssa. A few months ago, he started talking about buying me an engagement ring because he's finally ready to take the next step, which is great but we are in a pandemic. I know, right? And this is something that I'd really like to celebrate and be with my friends and family for. That's legit. He got so offended, whoa, that I told him not to, and he didn't understand my reasoning at all. But now I'm thinking that maybe that was insensitive and I should just let him. I don't know, but hopefully you do. <laughs> um, listen, we want to build the kind of relationships that we're uh, within which we can have, uh, you know, difficult conversations. I don't think that actually should have been one. I don't think that had to be difficult. Like, hey, Matt, I, I'm really complimented that you'd want to make such a commitment to me and you'd want to make such an expression as getting me an, uh, an engagement ring. And hey, Matt, 
I really like the idea of marrying you. That sounds amazing. That's something I've been looking forward to. Right now we're in a pandemic though, and I and I would love to get engaged. I also know that I want my friends and family to be able to be part of that, and because we're social distancing, I can't do it that way. So do you think we could push that off? Um, because I'm definitely very interested in it until there's a time when we can incorporate them in. That's very lovingly said, and if he can't handle hearing that, then I'm concerned because there's nothing within there that should make him feel bad or rejected. And if he does, that's for him to go struggle with. You've done or said nothing wrong, right? And so if he is struggling to hear that, I want him to go off and process that with a friend, a loved one, a therapist. What is it that Matt's hearing you say that you're not saying? And I don't know why he couldn't share that with you. Like, hey, Lissa, it's really hard to hear because it feels a little rejecting. And then you would say back, Matt, not at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I wanna do this in such a beautifully powerful way that I want my friends and family members to witness it and to be a part of it. And then I'd want him to say, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for clarifying, that sounds good, let's do that. Because otherwise, what are we doing? What's the rush? What are we all rushing for? You don't need to get married now. It's wild that people are still having weddings in the pandemic. Why, what are you rushing it for? Calm down, slow down, like everything's gonna be okay. A wedding is a party. You can wait to have your party, breathe, you know? But everyone's like rushing and rushing and rushing. And so it's like, Matt, slow down, boo. We've been together for three years. If you wanna be together with me for even longer, we got time. So people need to just take a little bit of a breath. So no, I don't think you were insensitive. But I wanna hear his reasoning. If he has a good reason as to why it should be banging out right now, well then maybe you do that. I, I don't know, but it should be an ongoing discussion. And so I'd circle back and I'd lovingly say, hey, it sounds like you were offended and hurt by me wanting to include my friends and family because of how meaningful our relationship is to me. Can you help me better understand what you felt or what you heard me saying in that request? And then you can engage and respond to that, you know? But it needs to be a conversation. So circle back and talk it out. This is maybe a conversation you'll circle through a few times, right? We don't always just have these things as a one-off. Sometimes we have to circle back. But I kind of scripted it there for you, so I'd bring it up that way. But people on the receiving end understand that some of these events People have their own visions or fantasies as to how they want it to go, and it's about both people, right? Um, a wedding is for both people. It's not, if it's a hetero couple, it's not just the woman's day. That's also a big day for men as well. And what the male wants matters too. But some people sometimes hijack that and they make it only about them and their feelings. It's about everyone involves feelings, right? It's a relationship. Everyone's thoughts and comfort matters. So circle back and talk about it again. Um, but no, I wouldn't use the word insensitive. Nowhere in what you said or what you're looking for did I hear insensitivity, you know? But something came up for him. And so again, this is a good opportunity to start practicing being able to have those really emotionally transparent and vulnerable conversations. But um, nothing was done wrong. <laughs> All right, that's that. If anyone has a DM, feel free to drop it in our Loveline IG page in the DMs, of course. And we'll be answering that on a future show. Question of the Night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. And if you want to check out past episodes, you can do so by going to uh, wearechannelq.com. Also, check out my books. Both Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines are available in all places that books are sold. Check them out. Y'all, finish the rest of your day with some self-care, rest, joy, and pleasure. As always, thanks for hanging out with me, and you enjoy the rest of your night.